G I L L. Or to get a free copy, call 702-233-8883. The proceeding has been paid for by Preaching Records. Hello and welcome to Hope for Health. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. Hope for Health is brought to you by New Hope Medical Center. We invite you now to enjoy this informative program on health alternatives. Thank you for being with us today. This is a call-in radio talk show, so those of you who are out there listening, if you would like some free health advice, feel free to call us in. Uh, 650-KKVV is the call-in number, which is 650-5588. If you're listening live on the Internet or long distance, you can reach us at 800-366-8883. That's 800-366-8883. Today's guest is a researcher and expert in the area of female hormones, and he received his Doctrine of Philosophy in Endocrine Physiology and Biochemistry from the University of Oregon in 1972. He has taught courses in endocrinology, physiology, the brain, and aging at such schools as the National College of Naturopathic Medicine and the University of Oregon. He is the author of several books, all of which I have read myself, which include Progesterone and Orthomolecular Medicine and Nutrition for Women, Mind and Tissue. He also has a monthly newsletter, which he's been writing since 1980, and to which I also subscribe. His name is Dr. Ray Pete, and we'd like to welcome him to the program. Dr. Pete, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to have you with us. You're uh, there in Eugene, Oregon, isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. And we're here in Las Vegas where the weather is sunny and still a little warm for this time of year. And you're there where it's overcast. I used to live there for 15 years. So I know exactly what it's like. Yeah, Wait. It's raining, actually. Uh, raining or drizzling? Because everybody walks around there without an umbrella. Uh, yeah. They're so used to it, you know, the light drizzle. And when it's overcast so much of the time, uh, do you see or are you familiar with much seasonal affective disorder where people become depressed because they're not getting enough sunlight? Oh, yeah. Uh, Thirty-five years ago, I, uh, when I moved to Eugene uh, from southern Oregon where there's a lot more sun, I wondered why I was feeling lethargic and, and depressed. And I realized we hadn't had a day of sunlight for about two months straight, and uh, that was when I really started getting interested in the hormonal effects of sunlight, and uh, when I moved back, after being in Mexico for several years, I moved back to Eugene and started seeing uh, graduate student uh, young women who had uh, moved to Eugene and immediately started having hormonal problems, PMS and What did you do for yourself to correct that problem? Oh, I'm trying to get as much sunlight as possible, but um, when there's no sunlight, then I keep a couple of, uh, they call them infrared bulbs, but they're uh, uh, farmers use them for uh, brooder lamps to uh, keep baby chicks warm and so on. They have a clear front and a reflector built in, but they're... uh, have a warmer temperature, lower temperature than uh, the usual incandescent bulb. And that means that the light penetrates more deeply. It's rich in red and orange frequencies. And I keep uh, 
oh, about 500 watts shining down on me all the time uh, when I'm indoors. Yeah, that sounds like a, a very interesting approach, similar to the infrared sauna, which can penetrate uh, deeper without having to overheat the patient. What about using ultraviolet light? Isn't that also uh, a treatment? Um, yeah, I have a, about an 80-year-old uh, mercury vapor lamp that I use for uh, getting extra vitamin D once in a while, but I also take uh, some vitamin D. I like to uh, take it through my skin because I never uh, have much confidence in how pure the excipients are in, in uh, supplements, uh, but taking it through my skin, it works fine for uh, keeping my vitamin D up. Yeah, we have the same concern in our clinic about using the best quality supplements because a lot of products out there, especially the ones made by the pharmaceutical company, which are very cheap but very ineffective, and so patients read about the great results that you can get from taking certain B vitamins or vitamin E or amino acid, and then they go buy it on the cheap and wonder why they're not getting results. Uh, Thirty years ago, I was doing a lot of counseling uh, with allergic people. In, in the summer, uh, Eugene is near a, a big grass-growing area, and at the end of the summer, they burn the fields and uh, release a lot of chemicals into the air. So the, um, the asthma uh, sickness rate is very high, but all summer uh, there are lots of allergic people in Eugene. And I found at first that uh, giving them supplements and a good diet, uh, especially rich in vitamin A and pantothenic acid, took care of a big part of uh, the population with allergies, but uh, there were many that uh, didn't improve, and I found that if I got them to use natural foods and avoid all of their supplements, all of them improved. Uh, and it turned out that uh, many, many people taking uh, a lot of vitamin, mineral supplements every day were actually allergic to the excipients in the products. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what happens in the patient, our experience, is that patients have a threshold, and when they are exposing themselves to allergens, uh, whether in their food or in the air or even from their supplements in this case, they all add up. They have a cumulative effect, and then you reach that threshold in which they're reactive, and sometimes lowering their reactivity to uh, one of those agents uh, may, may help lower their their response, their allergens, um, but but the allergies are still there until they're neutralized and you're able to identify what they are and, and eliminate them completely. All they've yeah, done the is total burden and the um, the amount of energy you have uh, to deal with the burden is what produces symptoms. Uh, if your blood sugar is low, almost anything becomes a serious allergen. With uh, animal experiments, they found that the weakest allergen, if they lowered the blood sugar with insulin, uh, the animals would die in shock from a very weak allergen. But if they gave them extra sugar, uh, even the allergic animals could, uh, they would get nothing but mild sniffles from a, a deadly, uh, super strong allergen. 
Now, what about hypoglycemia or reactive hypoglycemia? Patients are eating something that's raising their blood sugar and then it drops over a short period of time. Are those patients then, are these are patients that are more susceptible to allergies or that are reacting in an allergic way? Um, it can become a, a vicious circle because um, normally when you are exposed to a, a stress or an allergen, you put out a little extra cortisol to um, improve your immunity and lower your inflammation, but that can uh, start suppressing your thyroid function and lowering your liver's detoxifying ability. And your intestine always has allergens in it. And especially if you're uh, exposed to some special allergens, the chronic exposure to cortisol suppressing your liver function and thyroid function allows those toxins and allergens from your intestine to get into the bloodstream. Um, and endotoxin is a, a basic uh, substance produced by bacteria in the intestine, and that uh, poisons our uh, energy-producing systems. It, it almost turns off mitochondrial uh, function, um, and that wastes the blood sugar so that uh, you can uh, create hypoglycemia by exposing yourself to too many of these stresses. And uh, the, the quickest way to break out of the cycle is to eat uh, a well-balanced natural diet, but emphasizing a lot of fruits. Uh, orange juice, for example, because of the high uh, potassium content, which lets you handle and absorb blood sugar without uh, disturbing your insulin. The potassium itself handles the sugar uh, without uh, triggering the insulin. And when your liver is receiving enough sugar from the combination of potassium and sugar in the fruit, it is able to activate the thyroid hormone, restoring the poisoned function of your mitochondria and letting you use oxygen efficiently. So it can bring you out of a chronic allergic hypoglycemic state and get you back to a steady blood sugar, sometimes just in a day or two. Yeah, I think you mentioned a couple of things that most people are not aware of. Number one is that orange juice has potassium in it. Everybody thinks about eating bananas, but if you're low in potassium, you can drink orange juice and get it increased much quicker. You also mentioned something about the liver, which is an area where the thyroid is converted from active to inactive, or act, I'm sorry, inactive to active form. Most uh, people don't yeah, understand. Bernard Barnes, many years ago, wrote a very good book uh, called Hypoglycemia. It's your liver, not your mind. And uh, he was one of the first people to emphasize that most of the active thyroid, about 70% of it, is produced in your liver rather than in the thyroid gland. The gland itself in your neck produces about 30% of the active hormone. But anytime your blood sugar falls, um, if you go without eating for eight hours, for example, your blood sugar is likely to fall. And that, your liver doesn't want to uh, convert your tissues 
to food, and so your uh, liver stops making thyroid, so your metabolism uh, decreases. Your temperature goes down at some point when you have stopped eating so that you uh, don't burn up your body too fast as you would if your metabolic rate stayed high without eating. Yeah, now we mentioned that the thyroid is produced by the thyroid. It's also produced by the liver and or converted there. It, doesn't that conversion also take place at the cellular level as well? Oh, uh, several the tissues produce quite a bit of it. The, uh, the pituitary gland can detect T4 um, because the inactive form of the thyroid, thyroxin, uh, and since it can convert it, it doesn't distinguish very strongly between uh, whether you're taking T4 or T3. It turns off its activity whenever it sees uh, T4 or T3. And so since it produces just a tiny amount for its own detecting purposes, if you accumulate too much thyroxin in your tissues, your pituitary thinks you have enough thyroid, but... Uh, your liver might uh, not be producing any active thyroid hormone from it at all. Uh, in one of the early experiments uh, studying where the hormone is active and what it's doing, uh, they took slices of the different organs and added thyroxin. And they found that the liver became fully activated with a a modest amount of thyroxin added. The kidneys converted a little of it and were slightly activated by thyroxin. Uh, the muscles were not activated at all, but the brain, when thyroxin was added, was actually suppressed uh, because the brain normally has an extremely high concentration of the active T3 part of the hormone in relation to T4, and so um, locally, the too much T4 affects your brain uh, in an anti-thyroid direction, but uh, very few doctors are aware of the risks of prescribing uh, plain thyroxin. That's a good point, a very good point. We're going to talk about that more when we come back from the break. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to Hope for Health, and my guest today is Dr. Ray P. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. Would you like to know if you are at risk for cancer, heart disease, osteoporosis, Alzheimer's disease, and more? Don't wait until disease strikes. With genomics testing, you can glimpse the future. Genomics testing reveals what genetic diseases you may develop. For more information or to order your genomics test, Call New Hope Medical Center at 476-0000. Do something now to avoid future health risks. Call 476-0000 and get your genomics test today. Feeling tired? No sex drive? In pain? Can't lose weight? Welcome to New Hope Medical Center. At New Hope, patients receive proprietary diagnostic and healing therapies without the limitations of traditional medicine, such as genetic testing, VAX-D, oxygen therapies, bioidentical hormones, nutritional IVs, health spine rejuvenation, lifestyle counseling, and more. At New Hope, patients get real answers to real health problems. Call New Hope now at 476-0000. Get healthy and call 476-0000 today. We're back. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you are listening to Hope for Health. Again, my guest is Dr. Ray Pete. And if you have a question for either the doctor or his guest, you can call us here at 650-KKBB. That's 650 650- 
800-366-5588 or long distance 800-366-8883. Dr. Pete, you mentioned that thyroxin has a suppressive effect on the brain. I think it's important that we discuss that in a little more detail because the audience may not understand that thyroxin is T4, which is the same thing as Synthroid, which means the most common thyroid medicine being prescribed through conventional medicine has no active thyroid in it. That's true, and uh, because of, I think it's the result of pressure from the pharmaceutical industry making their synthetics, the FDA has begun uh, forcing the producers of the natural uh, thyroid products, such as Armour Thyroid USP, to um, put on their label uh, the... Um, ingredients in terms of T4 and T3, but natural thyroid contains neither of those. It's a protein with only the, the tiniest trace as a contaminant sometimes of, of thyroxine or the active T3, but uh, now people uh, look at the label and they see T4 and T3 even listed on natural uh, thyroid products, with, and it just isn't there. I, when you digest the protein, your uh, digestive system releases those hormones, and the uh, the gland, when you digest it, or when it digests itself uh, in normal functioning, that protein breaking down releases about three or four parts of thyroxine for each part of of the active T3, and uh, that's why your liver uh, has to convert the thyroxine, which is about 70% of the output of your thyroid gland. Um, and uh, similarly, with the when you take a supplement of Armour Thyroid, uh, when you digest it, it's in that same ratio, so your liver still has to activate uh, three quarters of it, and that means that uh, you can't go very far wrong when you're taking the natural substance because the ratio entering your blood is um, within the range produced by your normal gland so your liver can make the decision as to whether to activate it or not. Yeah, it's a good point. Typically, the natural type thyroids, and there's a, a number of different types, have a ratio of about... 4 to 1, a T4 to T3, and then what we will typically do in our practice is increase that ratio of 3 to 1 by adding a little bit of Cytomel, which is just pure active T3. But when we do that, usually it's because the patient has developed antibodies to the thyroid, which you can see in Graves' disease, or I've seen it in cases where the patients are taking thyroxine, the synthetic uh, Synthroid, for example, and now because they've introduced this foreign substance into their body, it, it, it's attacked. And so the body now requires more thyroid to overcome that. In fact, I had one patient I saw recently who said, gee, they put me on thyroid and I started gaining weight. And then every time they changed the dose, I gained more weight and they wouldn't believe me. So we checked her thyroid antibodies and sure enough, you know, they were very high. But every time they gave her the Synthroid, she developed the antibodies and then they upped the dose and, you know, the situation just got worse. I wouldn't say that happens in every patient, but I've seen it enough that I'm very skeptical and never used the thyroxine. When I was teaching at the Naturopathic College in Portland, uh, someone from the uh, University of Oregon uh, Medical School Hospital told about a, a woman who had been prescribed, uh, I think it was 
the equivalent of one grain of, of pyroxene, uh, about 100 micrograms, I think it was. And she got a little worse and more hypothyroid, and they kept increasing the dose. And when they reached 400 micrograms of thyroxine, she went into a myxedema coma, and they took her to the hospital unconscious and uh, kept her alive until someone figured out that she wasn't converting T4 to T3, and it had simply turned her brain metabolism off to the point that she was no longer conscious. And when they gave her T3, she uh, recovered immediately to full functioning. Yeah, so it's important to have a healthy liver if that's where three-quarters of the conversion is happening. And isn't it true that if you're taking, let's say, the thyroxine, the inactive thyroid, and it's having a suppressive effect on your brain, and can't it, isn't it true that it can build up in your brain and cause other symptoms if it's not being converted? Um, yeah, many people have told me that uh, when they were given uh, supposedly the right dose of thyroxine, they began getting symptoms like uh, ringing sounds in their ears and uh, prickly sensations, uh, fairly common uh, symptoms of hypothyroidism, but they would start when they would go on thyroxine. And uh, when they added T3, uh, the symptoms would go away and, and they would be okay. What's very interesting is I have many patients come into my office and they've seen other doctors and they tell me that, oh, my doctor checked everything. But when it comes to the thyroid, I've never seen that happen. The doctors will look at just the T4 or just the TSH. They never check the antibodies. So the patient never really gets a complete thyroid evaluation, even though they're told by the doctor everything is fine. So when you're checking the thyroid, in your opinion, what's the best test to be looking at? Um, the way they did it in the 1930s before the drug companies came on the scene and basically took control of the journals and the medical schools and uh, made everyone over the next 30 or 40 years forget how to treat thyroid patients. The way they originally did it was to look at symptoms and uh, when they saw definitely um, too many symptoms, they would give them a basal metabolic rate uh, test, how much oxygen they consume at rest. And uh, the, um, that's really the absolute way to uh, determine what's happening. It doesn't matter how much is in your blood if it's being blocked. For example, if you have eaten too many polyunsaturated fats or too much cabbage uh, or other uh, antithyroid factors, uh, you can have an excess of thyroid hormones in your bloodstream and still not be consuming very much oxygen. Uh, some people are 20, 30, 40 percent below normal in oxygen consumption, and uh, the ideal way would be to uh, give the dose of thyroid until the oxygen consumption is, is at least normal, except Americans on comparison with uh, other countries where they don't eat so much uh, of the artificial food, Americans on average are about 25% hypometabolic or hypothyroid. And so the practical thing really is to go by symptoms and checking as many of the physiological indicators. For example, uh, reflex 
uh, reaction time, the speed of, of your reflex. Uh, you can flash a light in a person's eye and the pupil is slow to respond if they're hypothyroid. Uh, the body temperature uh, tends to be, uh, usually but not invariably, tends to be much below normal when you're hypothyroid. Uh, an excess of stress, adrenaline, and cortisol can artificially raise your temperature, so uh, those can go up in hypothyroidism. So temperature is just one of the indicators, and there's a reflex, the Achilles tendon uh, relaxation rate. Um, if you have a person kneel and thump their Achilles tendon so that it makes their toe twitch uh, away from their body, uh, that a person with Almost any thyroid function will have the reflex, but what you watch is how quickly your foot relaxes back to its resting position. And a hypothyroid person's foot looks like it has a pneumatic door closer on it. It carefully, or in jerks, returns slowly to where it uh, was at rest. But a person with good thyroid function, the the jerking foot looks like a piece of rubber. It relaxes and bounces. It comes back so fast. Yeah, and I checked that in almost all of my patients. I'm glad you mentioned that. My guest today is Dr. Ray Pete, and we're talking about the thyroid and other hormones. If you have a question for us, you can reach us here at 650-KKBB. That's 650-5588. You can also find Dr. Pete on the Internet at www.raypete.com. Dot com. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about the thyroid and other hormones. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Royal, Medical Director for New Hope Medical Center. Every day I see patients who suffer from the effects of modern living, such as stress, pollution, allergies, and even prescription drugs. I believe we all deserve to feel as good as we can to be optimally well. That's why at New Hope, we emphasize health optimization, not disease management. For more information, call New Hope Medical at 476-0000. Learn the secrets to living a great life by consulting with a doctor who really cares about you and your health. Call 476-0000 now. Does your back ache? Is your neck in pain? Would you like to be pain-free? Then get VAX-D. VAX-D is a non-surgical treatment clinically proven to be successful in over 86% of patients with back pain, sciatica, and bulging herniated or degenerative discs. VAX-D gently decompresses the area of injury and pain, draws nutrients into the area, and promotes relaxation and repair. For more information, call New Hope Medical at 476-0000. Take your life back. Get pain-free with VAX-D. Call 476-0000 now and make your appointment for VAX-D treatment today. We're back. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. Thanks for staying with us. My guest today is Dr. Ray Pete, and we're talking about the thyroid and other hormones. I wanted to bring something to your attention, Dr. Pete, and that is something I see frequently in my practice and throughout America. It's the high blood fat issue and the whole cholesterol industry that's been built up around that. And I would think that one of the signs of a high cholesterol would be a low thyroid because normally if you have a healthy metabolism, you should be able to process those fats fairly effectively since the liver is the place where that's happening, where those fats are being made and being broken down. It's also the place where the thyroid is being converted. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, the liver is a big source for, of uh, disposal of the cholesterol, but the um, ovaries, the, the gonads, and the brain itself and the adrenal glands all use mm -hmm. considerable amounts of uh, cholesterol. For example, 
in one experiment, um, blood containing a known amount of cholesterol uh, was pumped into an ovary, and the amount of progesterone coming out uh, corresponded exactly to the amount of cholesterol going in. If you lowered the cholesterol, you lowered the amount of progesterone being produced. And uh, that same conversion happens in the brain and adrenal glands and uh, various other tissues to some extent. Uh, so if you're forcing your uh, cholesterol down with a drug, you're likely, for example, many studies have shown increased rate of accidents, cancer, and uh, even suicide and uh, uh, death by homicide, I think, was one of the major uh, events in people who were drugged to lower their cholesterol. Yikes. And the Framingham study uh, following people over many years found that people whose cholesterol was below 200 when they were over the age of 50 were much more likely to become demanded uh, because cholesterol makes those protective hormones, makes progesterone, for example, in the brain, uh, which is extremely protective against um, all kinds of injury and toxins. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I love it when the side effect of medication is death. That's all we need. We've got a caller on the line. Do you have a question for our guest, Geraldine? Uh, yes, I do. I'm really enjoying the program. When I was 16, they um, in the Santa Monica, they thought I had a, a broken jaw. So they used the x-ray machine and took many plates of my jaw. And then right after that, my thyroid really went out. And, of course, <clears throat> I've had a terrible problem all my life. And um, I'm wondering, what uh, do you recommend um, having a problem trying to get um, medication? Uh, you know, I have trouble sleeping and gaining weight and losing, just the whole thing I've got. What do you suggest for um, a medication? What would you give uh, for uh, an, uh, good medication? I used to take... Um, um, the usual thing is to to check the diet, make sure the person is getting enough good protein because a protein deficiency makes the liver unable to uh, activate the thyroid hormone the same way a, a lack of sugar does. So you need at least 80 grams of high-quality protein. For example, milk or cheese or eggs will uh, okay. give you good protein to uh, uh, make the liver able to process the thyroid. And um, a low thyroid function, uh, the symptoms you mentioned are very classical hypothyroid symptoms because the, um, the brain needs energy to go to sleep properly. Hypothyroid people have been given uh, EEGs which show that they never can get into deep, restful, slow-wave sleep. They stay in superficial sleep, which isn't restful and uh, even worse than that, they often uh, have insomnia and have trouble going to sleep because it, when your nerves or your muscles are uh, not producing enough energy, uh, fatigue accumulates and they're unable to relax. It's the same thing as the Achilles reflex test. 
you're slow to relax any cell, any muscle or nerve. And when you get fatigued, your brain needs thyroid to relax. Uh, uh, a doctor uh, that I visited, I think it was in uh, either Reno or Las Vegas, uh, had had insomnia for two or three days, and I suggested Cytomel. Uh, the next day, he said that stuff's better than opium. <laughs> he said he was uh, sound asleep 15 minutes after taking a little bit of the active thyroid hormone. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, there's nothing better than sleep when you really need it. And most people, it's interesting, my patients have the misconception that if I give them thyroid, somehow it's some kind of amphetamine that's going to keep them up at night. What they don't understand is just what Dr. Pete said. Thyroid helps you to relax and helps your reflexes to recover. He mentioned the pupillary reflex of the eye as well as your Achilles tendon reflex as well as now the body being able to relax and go to sleep at night. So does that help with your question, Geraldine? Oh, I'm very grateful. I want to thank you very much. All right. Thanks for calling. Bye. Thank you. Um, Dr. Pete, one of the things I think we should also mention is that if the thyroid is having a problem, the adrenals do tend to take over, and as you mentioned, uh, cortisol levels can be elevated, and this can also interrupt the sleep-wake cycle because cortisol should actually be low at night and high in the morning. Um, yeah, when, when the sun goes down, um, the various things happen. Um, for example, the red light or sunlight that penetrates deeply into your cells um, activates uh, processes that protect you against uh, lipid peroxidation and free radicals. And it just takes about an hour of darkness and your mitochondria start losing efficiency because the free radicals start interfering with them. And uh, so when darkness has uh, lasted for several hours, uh, your blood sugar becomes a problem, and that's why your cortisol rises uh, after you've been asleep for a couple hours. It keeps getting higher and higher until uh, dawn, and that allows you to stay asleep because the uh, cortisol is, is breaking down your protein, turning it to sugar, letting the thyroid function, letting your nerve cells repair by getting enough sugar. But uh, the combination of reactions to the low blood sugar, uh, if your liver didn't store enough glycogen, uh, very quickly, early in the night, you'll have an adrenaline reaction be, uh, trying to get more glycogen out of your liver to compensate for the low thyroid function. Uh, low thyroid people very often have 30 or 40 times more adrenaline being produced than a healthy person. And uh, that keeps you awake or makes you wake up with a start after you've been asleep for a while. And uh, the adrenaline makes your heart beat faster and wakes you up, but it triggers increasing cortisol, and the cortisol will uh, start damaging your tissues, uh, making your muscles uh, gradually be converted to sugar to, to uh, keep your brain working during the night. And these low thyroid people who compensate with very high amounts of adrenaline and cortisol will sometimes wake up with a temperature of 98.6 or 99 degrees, uh, which is definitely not in what most people think of as the hypothyroid range, which is 
usually 95 or 96 degrees. But if you take their temperature about an hour after they've had some orange juice and other food in the morning, you'll find that their temperature is down in the extremely hypothyroid range. It's only the stress hormones uh, before breakfast that uh, keep them uh, up to a normal temperature. Yeah, it's fascinating how this relates to each other. We're going to take another call. Yolanda, do you have a question for our guest? Uh, yes, thank you, Dr. Pete. I um, happened upon you guys' uh, radio show today uh, by accident, but I think it was to my good fortune. I've got a 12-year-old, if you can believe it, with a diagnosis of hypothyroid. And really how we found out or how I received the diagnosis is I took her into a pediatrician uh, to explore what, whether or not there could be some explanation for what I considered uh, weight gain uh, that did not seem to correlate with her consumption. In other words, it didn't seem like she was eating enough to be gaining the weight at the rate that she was. Um, they did a number of blood tests, and I guess her T3 came back really high. So then I was referred to a pediatric endocrinologist, and there are not very many here in southern Nevada, so I had to wait several months. Well, let me just make a comment about that, uh, Yolanda. One of the problems that I see in the thyroid testing is what they're checking is T3 uptake, which is a mathematical guesstimation. They're not usually checking T3 RIA, which is a more accurate assessment of the active thyroid. And so if, if your child has been diagnosed with hypothyroidism and the T3 is elevated, that doesn't make sense. That's a total contradiction in terms. Right. Well, what happened was when I went to the pediatric endocrinologist, he wanted to run his own series of tests. And, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, this has been a couple of years ago, and I can't remember exactly, but he also was, con he was the one who gave me the diagnosis based on his set of tests. And I can't remember what was too high, if it was the T4 and TSA. He takes TSH, T4s, and we do it every four, excuse me, every six months. He did the antibodies you were speaking of early as well. Mm -hmm. Did not have. She was not positive for the antibodies. Okay. So, what is the medication she's taking? She's taking, and that's why I wanted to talk to you because I was like, it sounds like you all aren't recommending the Synthroid, and she's on 0.88 of the Synthroid and has been for two years. Yeah, absolutely not. That would not be our approach, based okay. on what you've heard in this because program. Like Gorder, you know what I mean by that? Like the yes. um, her her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are three times when women are more likely to become hypothyroid and you can very often see the the signs even if they aren't experiencing any symptoms you can see the thyroid gland enlarging around puberty and again at pregnancy and again around menopause ah. and what happens is uh, they've studied it with slices of the tissue in a culture dish as estrogen rises the the brain senses that you need more thyroid hormone, puts out more TSH, but the estrogen blocks the enzymes that digest that protein in the thyroid gland so it stops secreting the active hormone. And uh, progesterone happens to activate those enzymes and allow the gland to secrete. Uh, but you can pretty much... Uh, depend on the um, slowing down of the thyroid whenever there's a situation that raises estrogen, and puberty is the most common one. Uh. Uh, typically, girls in their teens will have an enlarged thyroid compared to boys because that's the standard uh, 
effective estrogen even when you're healthy. Okay. And so what we would typically recommend at New Hope Medical, I'll just kind of give you some free advice here, we would typically put the patient on a grain of the natural thyroid and have them take it twice a day. The reason for that is because natural thyroid has a half-life of about 8 to 12 hours. The body's actually utilizing it, digesting it, processing it, as opposed to hanging around for 24 hours waiting for the body to convert it to active thyroid if that's actually happening with the Synthroid. We're going to go ahead and take a short break. We thank you for calling, and when we come back, we'll take another caller. So I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to Hope for Health. My guest today is Ray Pete, and we will be right back. Would you like to know if you are at risk for cancer, heart disease, osteoporosis, Alzheimer's disease, and more? Don't wait until disease strikes. With genomics testing, you can glimpse the future. Genomics testing reveals what genetic diseases you may develop. For more information or to order your genomics test, call New Hope Medical Center at 476-0000. Do something now to avoid future health risks. Call 476-0000 and get your genomics test today. Feeling tired? No sex drive? In pain? Can't lose weight? Welcome to New Hope Medical Center. At New Hope, patients receive proprietary diagnostic and healing therapies without the limitations of traditional medicine, such as genetic testing, VAX-D, oxygen therapies, bioidentical hormones, nutritional IVs, health spine rejuvenation, lifestyle counseling, and more. At New Hope, patients get real answers to real health problems. Call New Hope now at 476-0000. Get healthy and call 476-0000 today. We're back. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you've been listening to Hope for Health. Our guest today is Dr. Ray Pete, who is an independent scientist with a background expertise in female hormones, and we've been discussing thyroid today, and we're going to continue that discussion with our caller on the line. Stan, do you have a question for Dr. Pete? Yeah, I have a question about the thyroid and uh, uh, Dr. Wilson, who's a DO, but what, what was that Cytomel? Is that a prescription item, or was that an over-the-counter supplement? No, that is a prescription item. Okay. Dr. Wilson, who's a DO, he's done years of research on the thyroid uh, where it's kind of a little bit subclinical, where the doctor tells you it's normal, but for people who are running temperatures of like uh, uh, 97, 97.1, and they have like uh, cold hands sometimes, cold feet, and they're very, very sluggish in the, the morning hours, it, was Dr. Wilson on target uh, with the temperature situation of, of subclinical thyroid? Well, I'm going to let Dr. Pete answer this uh, with you off the air. Is that okay? Uh, and uh, can I also ask him, uh, he recommends, that is Dr. Wilson, after 20 years of research, that the Armour Thyroid T3 will really uh, properly fix this issue uh, in kind of resetting the thyroid, unclogging it, so that you get a proper amount of T3 in the blood and the doctors just look at T4 when we get these uh, blood tests. Correct. I okay. guess I'm giving you a lot, but uh, can I? Can I? You want me to uh, hang up and listen? Uh, yeah. If, is that okay? Okay. I hope I hope you could you can remember all of it because it's a lot in there. We will. Okay. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. So first, I I think we should clarify that uh, Wilson syndrome is primarily referring to that reverse T3. That's another element of thyroid testing that can be assessed. And so I, I think that the question you had, Dr. Pete, was uh, how accurate, number one, is the basal body temperature, and number two, uh, can the problem of Wilson syndrome, can it be corrected with T3? Oh, um, yeah, the, the thing that I mentioned about the, um, the stress hormones causing a falsely elevated 
normal appearing temperature. Is that something that you should watch out for if someone has had an unusual diet without enough protein or if they're in the menopause years? Uh, it's very common for, for women uh, to uh, experience excess cortisol around menopause, and that's one of the major things that causes uh, the um, deposit of fat around the trunk at menopause and uh, the weakening of the bones. Cortisol accelerates dissolving of the bones and deposition of fat. And uh, so people with those symptoms, even if they're younger, uh, they, they should uh, be checked for excess adrenaline and cortisol. And a protein deficiency is a common cause of, of that whole pattern. Um, the reverse T3 rises when you're under stress and uh, exposed to too much cortisol, and uh, a very bad diet can be enough to uh, put you into that chronic stress state. And the quickest way out of it is with a supplement, a, a reliably formulated supplement of T3, but uh, the Armour Thyroid and uh, a traditional product made by the same company called Thyrolar, which was an, a synthetic uh, made to be equivalent to the natural thyroid. Uh, those will provide enough T3 for most people, but uh, there's people almost always prefer to have a little more T3 than that if they uh, want to uh, quickly get over their symptoms. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, what I found in my testing of patients is that reverse T3, in terms of being able to document, is actually quite difficult and, and, and rarely seen. But there are so many other factors by which you can diagnose hypothyroidism, some which we've talked about in this program, such as the low T4, low T3, the high TSH, the thyroid antibodies, not to mention the clinical conditions that need to be looked at. So, for example, you could have a patient that has normal thyroid function, but yet they have clinical symptomatology, signs and symptoms, hypothyroidism, what are you going to do? Most doctors would not treat because, well, the lab says they're fine. Well, you don't need a doctor to diagnose a patient who's fine in the lab work. You need a doctor who can assess whether the patient needs thyroid, even though the lab is abnormal, and be able to explain why. Um, the traditional doctors uh, did fine <laughs> just going by signs and uh, as many of the measures as they knew were reliable, such as oxygen consumption and uh, uh, the cholesterol level. And they would look at the palms of a person's hands. A low thyroid person can't convert uh, carotene to vitamin A, and so they will typically uh, accumulate orange in the calluses of their hands and feet. And uh, their skin, their hands and feet are almost always cold because they're uh, metabolic rate is low, even though their core temperature might be kept up by adrenaline and cortisol, uh, their fingers and toes are likely to be cooler than other people's at the same environmental temperature. And uh, cold feet, interestingly, can uh, cause serious inflammatory problems elsewhere in the body. So. Uh, a first aid for some of the symptoms of hypothyroidism is just to uh, get some woolly underwear and, and thick stockings and 
uh, well, you can also keep your correct. extremities warm because you can actually uh, cure anemia uh, even without uh, correcting your your whole metabolic situation just by keeping your long bones warmer and uh, reducing the inflammatory substances produced in cold feet. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you can also correct that by supplementing the adrenals so they don't have to put out so much adrenaline by using the natural DHA and pregnenolone sub, uh, um, hormones. But some of the clinical signs of hypothyroidism, which are very obvious and, of course, taken together, should raise your index of suspicion. And they include fatigue, overweight or obesity, and edema, among other things. Anyway, we have a caller on the line, and I think she has a question for our guest. Erlene, did you have a question you'd like to ask? What I was wondering is uh, the change of, I had a hysterectomy when I was 36, and I'm now 73, and I have had all, I'm diabetic, but I don't take any insulin, I don't take any diabetic medicine, I've been trying to control it with, with diet, but what I'm worried about is how, my arthritis seemed to get worse after I had the hysterectomy, and I have osteoarthritis, not, not the other kind. I was wondering if this had anything to do with hormones. Uh, absolutely, hormones are related. And one of the things that should be checked, uh, in my opinion, is uh, the female hormones along with the thyroid um, and uh, other more comprehensive testing to give us a bigger picture of what's going on. But as Dr. P mentioned earlier, as a woman goes through menopause, this is one of those uh, transitions in life where the hypothyroidism issue can manifest and some people also have the theory that when you're in pain or you know, inflammation all the time, that your cortisol level may actually not be quite high enough, and, and so that's keeping you in pain all the time. So you know, these are some issues that should be considered. What do you think, Dr. Pete? I had a friend who was in his 70s and had an accident and immediately started developing arthritis and was crippled pretty suddenly by arthritis in his hands and feet and knees. And he luckily had a doctor who had been educated in the 1930s who immediately tested his thyroid because stress and injury can lower your thyroid. And my friend was was grumpy and said, I didn't go to have you fix my thyroid. I wanted you to fix the arthritis. But within two weeks, his arthritis cleared up, and he lived 15 years more with never any more arthritis. In the 30s, it was standard knowledge that arthritis was usually a sign of hypothyroidism. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, any trauma in your life, like uh, having a baby or having a surgery, uh, these things can trigger hypothyroidism because it's such a stress from which you may not recover. And as Dr. Pete said, you need a doctor with a little more uh, intuition who uses his bright brain and can diagnose these problems without being wholly reliant upon the lab. Anyway, we thank you for calling, Erlene. We're going to take a short break, and when we, be back, when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Dr. Ray Pete. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you're listening to Hope for Health. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Royal, Medical Director for New Hope Medical Center. Every day I see patients who suffer from the effects of modern living, such as stress, pollution, allergies, and even prescription drugs. I believe we all deserve to feel as good as we can to be optimally well. That's why at New Hope, we emphasize health optimization, not disease management. For more information, call New Hope Medical at 476-0000. Learn the secrets to living a great life by consulting with a doctor who really cares about you and your health. Call 476-0000 now. 
Does your back ache? Is your neck in pain? Would you like to be pain-free? Then get VAX-D. VAX-D is a non-surgical treatment clinically proven to be successful in over 86% of patients with back pain, sciatica, and bulging herniated or degenerative discs. VAX-D gently decompresses the area of injury and pain, draws nutrients into the area, and promotes relaxation and repair. For more information, call New Hope Medical at 476-0000. Take your life back. Get pain-free with VAX-D. Call 476-0000 now and make your appointment for VAX-D treatment today. I'm back. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to Hope for Health. My guest today has been Dr. Ray Pete. We're winding down our show here, but we're going to go ahead and take one more caller. Bill, you're on the line. Do you have any question for our guest? Well, kind of, sort of. It's not more mostly a question. I was born with Wilson's disease and have lived with it uh, through diet and nutrition. Uh, I have kept it under control, and... Uh, I was on KKVV for about three and a half years with stepping to the other side of health. So I have a vague idea as to Wilson's disease from the inside, so to speak, having had it. Sure. And had it all my life. Okay. Um, one of the things that people will tell you is that you can't live without fat. And I'm living proof. I'm past 75, and I'm living proof that you can live without eating fat. So if sometime in the future you ever want to get around to discussing Wilson's again, uh, I'll be more than happy to call in again. All right. Appreciate your call. Thanks, Bill. You have a great day. Thank you. You too. Although I I do advocate eating uh, saturated fats, Uh, they can have some therapeutic effects. Um, I'm also uh, an advocate of of fruit-centered diet. Um, There are uh, animals that live on fruit, for example, the squirrel monkey, which lives uh, about three times as long as uh, other animals of its size and has an extremely high metabolic rate, and in the wild it lives exclusively on fruit. And uh, that's sort of a a way to uh, think about the effect of fruit on your physiology because the fruit contains the... um, things needed to stimulate your thyroid function and protect against stress. So it is possible to live um, entirely without fat in your diet because your body can make the saturated fats that Mm. it needs. Mm. That's a good point, but uh, saturated fat is what the thyroid needs, and you can get that from coconut oil, which I use in my own cooking. And on the other hand, you have a lot of patients who are taking these unsaturated uh, fatty acids, which are actually inhibiting thyroid. Uh, yeah, the more unsaturated the fat is, the more thoroughly it inhibits the thyroid. It inhibits secretion, transport, and reaction to the thyroid. Um, and in the early part of the last century, uh, several researchers showed that animals on a fat-free diet uh, were completely free of spontaneous cancer and lived longer than normal. Yeah, that's very interesting. But at the very least, the patient, if they're taking unsaturated fat, shouldn't be combining it with saturated fat. So they have some kind of a balance. Anyway, we're in coming to the conclusion of our show. Thank you. Uh, my man in the sound room over there is roaring like a lion. So, Dr. Pete, any concluding remarks for our listeners today? Oh, well, there's a book that you might be able to find in a, a big library or a used bookstore that is really a great introduction to the 
amazing things that thyroid can do. It's uh, the thyroid by Thomas McGavick. Okay, thyroid by Thomas McGavick. I appreciate being with us, Dr. Pete. This has been very interesting, and I hope it's been interesting for you, our audience. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You've been listening to Hope for Health, which is brought to you by New Hope Medical Center, located here in town, where you can find us at 215 and Pecos. We invite you to tune again this same time again next week for another important program on health alternatives with Hope for Health. Until then, you have a great life. Who are all these people, Lisa? And how do they know who you are? Oh, I used all the money I saved on my motorcycle insurance to buy my own fame. Isn't it great?